Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Biblos Tapes and Discussion. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by a former test guest back in uh, October 2020, Richard Ernie. Good evening, good afternoon, Richard. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, I'm doing doing well after a, a rocky uh, October and November, shall we Indeed. say. Indeed, yeah. Well, we, 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 we last spoke back in episode three, so you join me 110 episodes later for a uh, Another catch-up, and this week uh, we're talking about your latest uh, body of work, The Prismatic Pond. But before we get into that, uh, as always, always good for you to give a, a brief introduction to yourself, kind of your photographic background, and I suppose maybe what you've been up to over the last uh, last couple of years. Mm. Um, well, first of all, I'll say amazing that it's 110 episodes later, because I think when we discussed this in the first place, we said... Uh, I said, well, you were, you were unsure whether there would be people who would uh, join up. And I said, oh, photographers like talking about themselves. And I suppose it's been proven, you know, they're, yep. they're, they're all good. Um, so sort of similar to last time, I'm sort of sort of landscapey, sort of macro-y, sort of abstract-y photographer. I started when I was 11, when my dad gave me a camera and, you know, I've dipped in and out of... Uh, photography until probably 12, 13 years ago, probably really when, just just before digital came about, I, cool. I sort of resurrected film cameras and, and really started concentrating on trying to take what I thought then were good photos. Um, the digital thing really happened um, and I, I swapped quite early, 2002 maybe. Um, and I generally pootled along and in a way, I think joining the Royal Photographic Society and aiming for their various distinctions kind of set me set me goals and set me a project and set me thinking a bit differently. But my actual the, the first one I got, which was the licensorship, was very, you know, very basic, just sort of things, ten yeah. ten photographs. Yeah. Ten general photographs. It took me a long time to then think about doing the associateship, and that was still relatively straightforward it was flowers and it was a sort of using differential focus so it wasn't yeah it wasn't where i am now but it, in a way i suppose sort of reaching about nearly 50 i think was uh, a moment where things began to change and i started to get more into well, maybe a bit, bit earlier than that got more into abstraction and and you know the thing that i i still i mean i still see loads of photographs of you know maybe it's you know, somewhere in the Lake District and there's a rock in the foreground, there's water, there's a mountain, the sky, there's trees, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, that's, and I, 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 took, I took them as well when I was up there, um, but I thought it's not really me. It's not really, in a way, I think, you know, a photographer has to, it has to be what the photographer is interested in, what they're, uh, what they're sort of, you know, what they respond to most. And I'd, I take these things and then think there are a million of these. I can't, I can't possibly publish them because... They all look fairly samey, yeah. And it and it also felt like, in a way, you're you're there, and you're you're lucky because you get the conditions. They look amazing, but it's like, well, is it as creative as it could be? Yeah. So I, I think I, I sort of then delved down various avenues and and with sort of the encouragement of others who are perhaps more into the more into abstract landscape themselves. Um, who just, you know, just sort of said, oh, I really like that. So, you know, people like Paul Kenny and Rob Hudson and uh, Doug Chinnery and people like that who who were just sort of going, going away from more conventional landscape photography. And, and it really hit me and sort of made me think and made me slow down and start thinking what was really, what I really wanted to be taking photos of. Um, and then sort of, Fairly quickly after that, I ended up doing um, my Polaroid project. So it was absolutely nothing to do with, almost almost nothing to do with landscape photography, but they were mostly of landscapes. Um, and, but they were incredibly abstract. And um, I was obviously lucky enough to have Warped Topographies, the book, Warped Topographies 2 followed in yeah. as my lockdown project. Um, but then in the background there, you know, I've, Tend to, I tend to have a project going on, even if I sometimes don't always realise I do. And 
the prismatic pond was was one that had been perhaps going on since about 2018 um and literally it's a it's my my favorite place for taking photographs which is probably a kilometer away from where i live a place called 40 hall um it's a grotty little pond that i think is called crater pond uh it's um crater pond because i believe it was a bomb dropped off on it in the second world war all oh, right okay uh, and i only found that out through like a youtube video and some ranger <laughs> you know kind of guy environmental guy yeah. was wandering around and he said that, oh that's what that is thought, oh that's good at least it's got a name <laughs> it's, yeah, not just, yeah. it's not just a sort of nothing you know it, it is a nothing pond but it's not a nothing pond and uh, you know that started out with a sort of long a long preamble as well where um my, I, I, I used to go past it all the time and think, oh, there, there must be something there, because it's like it was like this messy edge land. It had logs in it. It was, it was, it was sort of unkempt and and all the rest. And I just thought, you know, it was one of those things where you just keep visiting and, you, and you're walking past and you just think, mm, there's something there, but but nothing, you know, nothing connected. And sometimes yeah. it, it needs that. And. It even had sort of like trees growing out of the water and it, I, I used to think, oh, it's a bit like sort of like Florida swamp. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the London, the North London. Yes, yes, the, the, the very small. Uh, and you couldn't get one of those boats on it. And there were no crocodiles. Well, I don't think there were any crocodiles anyway. <laughs> uh, I did find a duck egg in there once. but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just not, not quite the same. <laughs> no, no, I don't think uh, they're not killer ducks anyway. <laughs> and then... Um, and then uh, there's a there's a local um, gardening. It's like a garden centre, but it's a garden school as well, horticultural school called Cable Manor. And, and they must have got loads of students to come down, and they just completely cleared the pond right. of all the stuff. And it was suddenly this like pristine. Well, it was still grotty, but it was like pristine. It was clear water, and it was like, oh, everything that was interesting has gone. Changed, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just it's it's quite enclosed as a space. Um, you often hear, you know, there's often, you know, there's birds around and there's, but there's crows and it's it's quite an eerie place at times. It's, you know, not many people go by and when they do, they always look at me askance and say, what on earth are you doing there? What, what are you photographing? And then they never really understand. Um, and it's, um, and then all the water disappeared once sometime and, you know, it must have dried out. I don't know if they'd done what they were meant to do with the base of it, but it all went. And so I was walking along on this, the base of it, managed to get completely stuck one day, up to my thighs <laughs> in mud, because it was so, it was so sticky and thinking, right, save the camera, but how am I going to get out of here? Um, I did manage to, but I had to sort of make myself horizontal, which was, was probably very amusing if anybody had been watching. And then at some point the water came back and, and it started to get sort of a bit more character back. Uh, and then, yeah, one day in the autumn of 2018, I was there, the sun was low, there was this sort of film on the water, which is kind of caused by rotting material, and it always, always had a slight smell of the pond, especially after, especially after I'd uh, sunk in the mud, it was, oh, yeah. <laughs> leave those trousers outside for a while. And, <laughs> um, Lovely. Yeah, it was most unpleasant at times, but it's, um, yeah, the... Um, this this film just made everything sort of like amazing in that you still got the shapes and the reflections and you could kind of see slightly into the pond as well uh, you could see the reflections of the trees the light was coming through trees yeah. um, and you got this sort of like rainbow rainbow effect happening all the time and it just kept kept going and the, the water at that point was quite you know clear clear, clear enough but filmy enough that it just kept doing this and it was sort of, uh, must have been after it, you know, it's quite a warm summer, I think, 2018. And literally it kept on for like, you know, two, two years-ish, I would say, probably until, until probably lockdown. And then it just became algae and it's kind of remained like that for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, but even then, when you go, I, I went one night, which was actually really, really frightening. <laughs> because even though it's, it's kind of very quiet, there was something moving around which may have been a, like a munchak deer because we've got lots of them around yeah but it was a bit like i'm here alone it's dark there was moonlight but you couldn't yeah. see anything trying to take a photograph and but the 
the, the moonlight on the pond kind of made it glow in a like phosphorescent way because I believe I suppose it's that blue algae or something like that. Yeah. So, so it's not it's not the best the best thing. Um, so that, I think that's in the that's in the book as well. Uh, that particular scene, but it was yeah, it was really scary. And, and, and a fox crept up on me at one point and 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 must have been behind me and barked. So that, oh, it was such a noise, <laughs> jumped completely. Oh god. <laughs> So it was, a, it was a strange experience, but mostly it was in the daytime. Mostly it was, uh, you know, it was uh, these patterns and textures. So I think there are there are ones that are like uh, they're kind of green and green and blue, and and they were the algae patterns. And I had somebody who came in who who was into um, who was into the science of marble or something like that. Right. How marble is made, and he said actually the the patterns. The patterns in that water are adjacent to how they would learn about the patterns you get in marble because of the way the, the rocks go. So it's quite interesting that there's all this sort of natural, you know, nature yeah. is linked in that sense. Um, so yeah, the prismatic pond sort of built and built and built, and you know, as you as you can do. And as a, certainly I do, kind of got obsessed with going regularly, day, you know, mornings evenings yeah. weekends any time off etc etc so. i suppose that's it when once once it's clicked and you've seen what there is to see um then yeah it kind of opens the doors and opens your eyes and all of a sudden you're walking past not thinking i'm sure there must be something here you're walking mm. past wondering and intrigued, knowing that there's something there and, and how will the light be working so i suppose well was your initial d disappointment of the students going and clearing it out mm. actually you probably want the students to be thankful for otherwise yeah. it, otherwise it would probably have never revealed what, yeah. what is what is now within the book yeah and it's funny it's 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 just that you know all those little things coming together you know yeah. had, I, had i been an hour earlier, maybe I wouldn't have seen that, and it wouldn't have happened. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, you would still be you'd still be walking past, thinking what what goes on in the pond. Yeah, and I think it's also that thing of, uh, and I think I may have said it last time as well. You're visiting um, when you visit the same place all the time. You know, you could get bored, but actually, what you do is you start noticing the tinier changes that you would, yes. you would have never yeah. noticed if you if you went by. You see, oh, there's something there. Ooh that's changed or ooh, birds are nesting in that tree now and look you can see them flying across every so often and, yeah. you know it's just and i i just love being in these sort of slightly odd spaces i think and then just soaking it up i mean um recently yeah i was in, in hospital recently and i came when i came out and just my first solo visit to the roughly the same place and it was just like oh i'm in nature again i can i can i can breathe and i feel so much better for being there um so uh so yeah the, the the pond just grew as a piece of work i mean i hate to think how many thousands of pictures i've got of it in various in various ways but what was um i think technically photographically i i was using a macro lens to begin with okay um but the thing is because of the i suppose because of the angle i was at you know focus was interesting because it's one of those things normally I wouldn't worry so much about focus, but I think with this, uh, it was very easy. You know, you've got a very narrow plane of focus if you use a macro yeah. um, and detail that perhaps was at the back of the image was was out of focus and therefore the image didn't quite work. Now you can use focus stacking, obviously, which is something I did try, but often with the uh, pond, it was, you know, there was just gentle movement. Which meant that by the time you got to the end of the focus stack, everything had moved. Yeah, so it becomes more like a sort of an unintentional camera movement. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, have, you haven't done anything, but the subject has been. Yeah. Um, so I did invest in a, a tilt shift lens, which was uh, which was actually Canon, which I adapted to the uh, to the Fuji that I use. Yeah, and that that probably changed the project from being, you know, not quite there and a bit frustrating in terms of. What I was getting, you know, there was something there, but it wasn't quite the end result. Yeah, yeah. And then the the tilt shift meant I could sort of get the plane of focus right. And you know, whilst I wasn't normally a fan of perfect sharpness, it just allowed me to take a photograph that then didn't have, didn't either have movement or or 
Yeah, well, ab- ab- absolutely. As you say, it's like you look at the you look at the ang- the angle which you're photographing and the, mm-hmm. and the patterns actually to get it to get it sharp across. Yeah, I think as you say, it, it gives you the result, the end result that you were envisaging. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just um, uh, yeah, and it was partly because I think um, having having uh, create, created Method Photo Press with uh, with the first or the second topography, yeah. I sort of had a slight pang of hmm, maybe there needs to be something more than just one book. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it. Yeah, the follow. <laughs> yeah, but no, but no, it is. It's a, it's a lovely body of work, and I enjoyed seeing it so much as you were photographing it. Um, mm. What I really like is the variety, particularly in terms of just the shadows and the reflections of the trees. But then also the lovely patterns in the water. So I'm interested. How how did you kind of approach the curating the curation aspect of it? Because mm. you're covering quite a a variety of subjects, themes, or or throughout. In terms of you've got some of the leaves on top of the water. You've got mm. very much the textures of the of kind of the water, the the green and the blue, and then you've got the maybe more abstract nature as well of of I suppose the surrounding pond. Yeah, it was a sort of. Um, it was quite hard, I have to say. It wasn't an easy. Whereas yeah. I think with warp topography is too. It almost was like two passes to get it to where it was. Yeah. Uh, and feeling it was the right. You know, I, I made. You know, once we we talked about that in terms of should the images be centered and square and all the rest, uh, and and a couple of changes of of positioning and pace. Yes, I think it fell into place incredibly quickly. Whereas this probably started—I don't know when it started. Maybe March, April. And I think we met in Photo London. I can't remember when that was. I showed you a. Yeah, was it June? June, May, June? Yeah, May time something. I think it was. So I've been—I've probably been going at it for like two or three weeks. Yeah, uh, and I, I did something which I'd not done for many years because years and years ago I used to work in publishing and sometimes had to do like inside the books I actually made a dummy yeah it's like a tiny dummy which I actually saw earlier and I've got to put it put away um just to see how it felt as a you know in terms of pace and what images worked and where they worked and it wasn't I knew it wasn't quite right there was something extra it felt it needed and I wanted to sort of achieve a few goals like I wanted to up my game because Warp Topographies 2 was printed in the end really well um, that was done by You Love Print. It was, um, you know, it came out. It came out just as probably just as exactly as I wanted it. But somehow I felt, you know, if I'm if I'm doing this, I want to make it better. You know, yep. I want to improve. And I knew I wanted it perfect bound this time rather than staple bound. There was all that that thing of with warp topographies too. It sort of bows out a bit because it's staple bound. Yeah, probably it's probably at the edge of being needing to be perfect bound but such as yeah warp topographies that is but i knew that this one would have more images in and and therefore should be should be perfect bound still only like a three or four millimeter spine but it's um you know it it just lights up yeah it just if it gives a it gives a different feel to the whole whole book probably makes it from a almost like a zine into a book i would agree Yeah. yeah Some big, di- big, big discussions, you know. Yeah. Where, where, where does the zine become a book? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Somebody, somebody, I noticed. Uh, they said they got it and they loved it. Uh, you should get, you know. They said you should get Richard Zine. I thought, is, is it a zine? Is it a book? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I know we, uh, we we've talked about this many times, but yep. the um, yeah. So it was a sort of real. I kept, I kept sort of stepping away and coming back, changing things around. Not, not quite sure and then I can't remember where it was maybe maybe I think one of the images which is the moth image uh, in the book and I got this phrase that was going through my head which you'll probably find and I can't remember now because <laughs> you're flicking through the book um, uh, that it was a day it was that day all the moths died and it was a strange day in that there were I literally went to the pond and was photographing around and then realized that there were all these moths and they were just in the water and, and I thought where did they come from i don't know it must have come from a tree or something but but why 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 were they flying why were they not flying why were they dead in the pond and things like that 
and that line I think was was sort of like began to I began to think well maybe I need to tell a story with the book as well as just you know but in an abstract way not a sort of like uh, this is a picture of you know because yes. there isn't any so I <clears throat> I had this the day all the moths died and it was set in normal you know normal text I used a particular font in this called Cochin, Cochin and uh, it was just on a one line and then in a way I was I suppose you know over the last few years since I kind of came across her work I've been quite inspired by Sig Harvey in the way that she presents books and the way she yeah. talks about her work and she's so you know charismatic and, and enthusiastic and inspirational uh, when she's talking and you've obviously had her on and um you know which i think was one of my desert island <laughs> desert episodes yet. <laughs> yeah um and she just you know she just she's full of exuberance i suppose um about her work and that's brilliant because i'm sometimes a bit sort of reticent so i thought well let's see what i could do to marry some text up with with the images so i think when i showed you there was still you were unsure because it was like one or two pieces had it but you didn't know if there was a sort of an obvious pattern so i started to think well what what else can i do and there were certain images that sort of didn't fit on one page needed to be a bit bigger so there was space on the left hand side for for some text and for some some words and i started to perhaps get a bit um i don't know uh highfalutin and start making these what i <laughs> even more highfalutin i call them tone poems but they're not poems they're just they're just a set of words that kind of to me just sum up the feeling perhaps when i'm standing there but even, even if not the, the feeling that the picture gave me um and then i made them bigger and then i made them sort of more um asymmetric in terms of how i laid them out and then i put the images behind the text yep. as well um so it built and built and built and i made a second dummy and i, I probably printed out four versions of it, which again was not something i'd done for like 30 years or something silly like that yeah um, and, and and it slowly sort of began to come together um in terms of how how this was working although i still managed i think even when it had gone to, to press to a have a duplicate image which i didn't hadn't spotted and okay. i also realized that one of them was a completely different size one of these word things was a completely different size from anything else and so it's like you know even though you look at it in fact maybe because you look at it you uh, you can't stop so which is yeah. why, I rely, why i also rely on people like yourself to, to have a quick look and <laughs> or jeanette jeanette as well my wife she'll she'll look through things and say oh yeah what about this what about that because she's got a really good eye for that she's <clears throat> a designer as well used to work in publishing um so I, th I think you know you can have all the experience you like but sometimes you just need that little little yeah. uh, you know neutral eye that says yeah, you need, you need to perhaps think about this again. Or, or... Absolutely agree, because we all, we all spend so much time looking at our own work, and we all have, as I say, pretty much most weeks, everyone's got an emotional connection to their mm. own body's work, whereas yeah. you don't have an emotional connection to anyone else's work. So therefore, yeah. actually, when you look at it, you're looking at it with a fresh pair of eyes, and like you, it's, it's like when you look through your own work over and over and over again, you you see what you want to see you don't necessarily see what you should be seeing and therefore yeah i think printing things out to actually have a flick through it in person mm. even if it's really small scale yeah. it still gives you a, it still gives you such a good idea of how it's going to look mm. and how the flow feels when you turn the pages as opposed to pressing flick from left to right on a screen it, it's not the same yeah, yeah that, that, that's definitely the thing i i because because I almost got away with it <laughs> got away with it scot-free on the previous book but this one because it needed more you know you you'd be looking at a pdf or you'd be looking at the the, yeah. the, the file and you'd realize yeah that's not the same as you know what's it actually feel like to to to, to use as a book yeah. um, and uh, <clears throat> and that was you know that was yeah the reason for, reason for printing it out and and also to spot any mistakes not that i did <laughs> Such is life, and nobody else did as well. That's the funny thing. Nobody, nobody noticed there was a duplicate image until I suddenly thought, "Oh my God, there's one there!" <laughs> there's yeah. one there. 
but that's it. But it's it's it, I really like it, and but it's it's a it's a different challenge for for curating and sequencing than compared to warp topographies where you had a standard image size yeah. and your your subject matter is I, I would say more consistent in terms of the flow, and then you're maybe more looking at just where there's maybe different patterns and different tones, whereas. In, uh, in in the pond, you've got a, a, to- a far greater variety of, of things that you're trying to put into a flow mm. and make sure it does sequence uh, naturally and it doesn't jar with the eye, which uh, mm. has been very well achieved because, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly not an easy thing to do. No, because I think, yeah, you're right with like with warp topographies, you you know, essentially they were pairs, yeah. pairs on a spread. <clears throat> and, and so long as they match, it kind of worked. Yeah. Whatever not whatever the sequence it's not like a i don't know the book catch 22 where somebody said you could remove 100 pages and you wouldn't notice definitely because you, you obviously yeah. wouldn't but, it, but it's that that thing of yeah you're looking at a spread and, and then and they work together or they flow whereas this is yeah there's i suppose there's an underlying narrative the ones at the beginning of the book are the early earlier ones and the ones at the end of the book are perhaps more revealing of what the pond looks like but then there's abstracts within that as well you know um yeah and it's sort of so much of it i think is i would say is by feel as well does it feel like that's the right yeah absolutely um which is why you know the getting those the words right you know the what i call the tone poems right was was to you know it was really you know i'm not necessarily a writer in that sense but but these words were sort of they come to me in the middle of the night sometimes and i'd be thinking how it is and quickly write write them down because <laughs> yeah just, just oh yeah that would that would go with that you know sort of, yeah because of the some of the colors the deep blues and the, and the, and the greens and the, the you know all the all the sort of various colors that come there there were yeah. there were sort of, there, there, there were words that came to me and so i suppose they have they have more meaning for that yeah, no, I, I like I like the combination of the takes. As you said, I think the first version I saw, I think it was uh, the the it was the day that all moths died, and I think yeah. there was maybe one other Another, bit, yeah. one other sense. bit of text, <laughs> and it was like, which is it? Um, whereas mm. now, actually, in the final draft, in the final printed form with all the text, it works really nicely. I, and I also also like the fact that you kind of provide the the afterward as opposed to being the forward you allow people to go through the book making their own judgment having their own view and opinion and then well actually this is this is kind of the story behind behind the pond in 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 terms of revealing it at at the end of it which i think is a nice way to do as opposed to hearing about that first and then and then looking through the work that that was um that was straight from you because i think um (laughs) Yeah, Jeanette still says, I don't know why you didn't have it at the beginning. <laughs> and you said, actually, it would work really well at the end. And I think on balance, yeah, I think you're right. It, it sort of lets reveal the world and then then tell you what it's yeah. about. Yeah, I, I, I think it's always one of these things. I think some people have them at the end, some people have it at the beginning. And I think it works on a project by project basis. Whereas I think on this, I, for, for me, I, I, I like yeah. it being at the end as opposed yeah. to uh, you can... you you can form your own imagination and your own views through it. Whereas I think something that's maybe quite more obvious in terms of what the work is, I think maybe the explanation is better at, at the start, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's sort of, it's, it's one of those, I suppose, sort of endless debate. It's just another thing, another thing to obsess about when you're, when you're actually doing it. It's like, yeah, what am ab- I, you know, what am I trying to make here? What, well, you know, what, what, you know, I am, in my in my day job i'm a user experience designer and you do think well what's the user experience of this what yeah is there is there <laughs> is there anything that is lacking because the because you just go into the images and you start yeah. you start immersing yourself in the world no actually no it isn't it's, it it makes sense that you then reveal more at the end and in the way in the way that the pictures also just get a bit more you know there is a picture of most yes. of the pond yeah um, there's still abstracts of like a voyage around the pond as well yeah um, which i managed to get stabbed by blackthorns <laughs> to, okay. to do that because it's quite it's quite uh it's quite tight and, and thickety um yeah and 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 then it was like um i think i think originally i was thinking of going again with you love print and i 
designed it to a certain size, which they they had as one of their book sizes. Options, yeah. Yeah, and then towards at some point, I realised that's portrait only, not landscape. And I thought, oh, they didn't do a landscape that really fitted. It was like A4 yeah. or, or square almost. And I thought, well, I did have sort of issues with them before in terms of I had to get loads, loads printed to get 50 good ones. Um, and again, it was this thing of trying to make it, trying to up my, up up my game. game. Yeah. Um, and as it happened, I, I'd had a copy of Guy Dickinson's Passage that came through. Um, Beautiful book. Right, you know, while I was building and I thought, actually, that size does work. Yes. Um, and so I rapidly changed everything. And made sure, you know, double checked and double checked that I got everything right, um, and, and and made it that size. And then spoke to Greg at Wells Printing or Kozu as he would be, yep. he would be known, uh, and said, "Well, in fact, I think I spoke to another printer up in Aberdeen that David Baker had used." Yes. Um, but then it was it, it came it came out quite expensive, and obviously this is this yep. is one of the big learnings is. It's not very economical to make books these days. No, um, absolutely. And it's certainly not good to ship them. I'll, tell, I'll speak about later. The um, yeah, and it was it was more expensive than I had thought. And then I sort of thought, well, the warped topography one was really beautifully produced, obviously, but it was you know that was almost like Greg doing doing most of the work and me sitting back and yeah, and just like providing the images. But I I I contacted him for. a uh, a quote and we talked about you know what, what it was what we wanted and we, you know the usual paper paper that they print on Federighi or whatever it's called Federighi yeah. is that a uh, was a guy from Apple called quite Federighi but it's something like Federoni something like that um, and what kind of what kind of cover material um, in an ideal world bearing in mind it would probably cost a lot I'd, I might have had a matte cover with like a spot of varnish on the the words the prismatic one but again the cost of that would have would have made it more expensive and you know yeah. so so then it's the usual thing of setting a price lots of discussions with my son who's always keen to say you should be charging 25 pounds and it's like yeah. you know but nobody's going to buy it because <laughs> it's like there's a market you know and, yeah. and there, there were other books coming through and they were similar you know 1750 1850 you know 1650 so there's you know there's a price point for that size of book that kind of book things like that so it was trying to work out getting it all in there and then i also wanted to make it as a sort of slightly more a nicer package so the first 50 came with the print um it's the black friday weekend i'm doing a sort of like a print special now but obviously that yep. would have gone by the time uh, this, goes out. this goes out but um and then i wanted to wrap each book because I noticed that you know some of the ones I buy yep. you know they're wrapped in either tissue paper but I, I chose I've got for like a range of these colored papers that I got and they're all wrapped there and because I'm useless at this sort of thing Jeanette's done a lot of the wrapping but she's also did a I did a video of her doing it so I, I can do it so I'm not you're not, not totally useless you could probably tell which are hers and which are mine right. the, really neat, the really neat ones would be hers yeah uh, and obviously, she while I was uh, in hospital, she obviously had to fulfil quite a few of the orders. So she'd bring them in, I'd sign them, yeah, uh, and then and then and then I'd I'd do the Royal Mail on the app and and get the labels and then send her the labels, the printed labels, to, <laughs> things like that. So it was a little cottage industry. Uh, and I spoke to uh, Ian Sargent and asked him, you know, oh, what's the best place to get the book wraps? So you know, yeah, the, the things you cobble cardboard envelopes and he said oh ebay's ebay's a good thing so and then it's you know I'm, I'm pretty good at sort of costing things so i i bought some um eco-friendly tape which i have which is not like the, the parcel is parcel tape but it's not like that and the um the prints were sent out in cellulose wrappers rather than plastic i was trying to be you know as good as one can be with this sort of thing yeah um so you know, I got a bunch of the cellulose things. Uh, I didn't really need the tape uh, in the end. There was the the wrapping. I got some stickers, sticker sheets, and so the, yeah. the wrapping can be stuck with a sticker because I'd seen 
few people doing that. So it's trying to make it sort of like into a yeah into a nice nice package as well. Um, and so with the other the other completely different thing as well from from the book is uh, from the previous book is the move from InDesign to Affinity Designer. Yeah, uh, that was Affinity Designer one. <laughs> yeah, uh, no new new version now out. They released a new version which I haven't really had a chance to look at, but the um, that was you know and that took some getting used to. There are some strange things it does. Like I was, I think I was just um, you know scrolling on my mouse and suddenly the whole book turns round and things like that. <laughs> How do I get it back? I don't know what to do. Um, and there's just a few things that worked in slightly different ways, and it was trying to get used to their methodology rather than the InDesign methodology. Yeah. But it, you know, it, it's fully featured, and you, you know, you start thinking, "Gosh, I used to use InDesign all the time, and it was costing me however many hundreds of pounds a month." Um, and there's, and there's this program that's. 50 60 quid whatever i don't can't even remember because i got it in the i got the new one in the uh um, pack is like the back the bundle of all three apps and um it's as as good if not better because it's cheaper <laughs> and does yeah. the job and um yeah so apart from learning and learning its particular peculiarities um that was you know that was something a bit different this time yeah and then um and then it was all the other things. So I, I, I enlisted my daughter for a bit of social media advice since, you know, I knew that that would probably be the best way to um, yeah, market, it. Market, market things. Uh, and because I'm not on Facebook, then there's none of that as well. Um, but I have got Instagram. Well, in fact, I've got loads of things now. I've got oh, so many of them. Don't talk Instagram, to Lincoln, Twitter, Vera, Vero, Glass. Uh, Mastodon now. <laughs> there's, to, there's there's yeah. so many. I wish I wish everyone would just pick one and stick with one yeah. and then can the rest because they're so so time consuming these days. It is, yeah. And it's 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 like she has um she has access to things that allow you to oh, post yeah. at certain times and, and yeah. I think she's something called social bakery and she can she can sort of like fire it off in, in many different places. So that's quite useful. Yeah. So I kind of created the the the, the media the social media campaign. Uh, around around the sort of the tone poems and revealing revealing yeah. them slowly i think i probably went on a bit too long with that but i was also waiting for the books to arrive so, <laughs> so that was that was partly it um you know and you know where whereas some people who are on the bibliotheque's slack group that we have, we're we're all up um you know they sort of say i don't want to make a profit and you know i wanted to make a, a bit of money yeah Not, you know, it's never you're never going to make your fortune doing no. photos um so that you know you had to obviously pay for itself and pay for a little bit extra you know at some point i'll pay my daughter <laughs> for her work um and uh i mean she did get a free copy of the book so you know <laughs> what, 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 what more can you ask for that's yeah, it yeah. um and also i mentioned her twice this time because i realized i didn't mention her in the last book because she, she was away at university and, <laughs> and it was like out of sight out of mind and she mentioned yeah. may, may have mentioned that a couple of times so i thought this time we'll mention it twice we'll, bal we'll balance it off yeah yeah and um so yeah when the, the books came i was i was really yeah. happy with them yeah, really, really, really lovely print quality. And, and yeah. but it, as, as you say, it's all the small details. There are so many people publishing books that mm. it is all the packaging and everything like that and the wee small touches. Obviously, I use very, very bright red envelopes because uh, yes. it matches the colour of my logo which, as close as possible. Yeah, which have the stickiest sticky stuff on. Well, that's good because then at least, that way I know, at least that way I know they're not going to open when yeah. they're getting posted out anywhere. Yeah, I, I really struggled actually. It's <laughs> something that came the other day from you, and it was like, I can't actually give it up. Must have lost strength. Um, but yeah, so the, the postage thing, as ever, was interesting because, of course, um, whereas it, I think with warp topographies, the postage prices went up, and I'd, I'd sort of included postage within the thing. This, yeah. time I, this time I sort of had a bit of leeway yeah. you know, with the postage in case it goes up because it's bound to at some point. Um, and I think one, I think most most of the people I've sent them out to include, you know, which includes um, Italy, um, Germany, yeah. America and Canada and a couple of other places as well. 
I think everyone's received them apart from one person who's in Berlin. And, and the book came back to me because they said I would have been, uh, I hadn't done the, quite done the customs form on the, on the back correctly. And I think what it was is I just hadn't signed it. Right. So I've sent it again. So that, that was a loss making book, but <laughs> that particular copy, because uh, that was like, I don't know, five pounds 30 to send or something silly like that. So six, so 10 pounds 60 to send it. Um, still just about make a profit, maybe, maybe in 20p. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not really, it's not really for profit, but it's, it feels like it, it should make, yeah. make a bit of money just to see. Yeah, I, I think, I think with all these things, I think it's, uh, even if it's just making a bit of money to then be able to put into the next publication or put into mm. the next project or something like that, as you yeah. say, none of us are, not many of us are doing it to make huge amounts of money, but mm. uh, something to, to make a nice, but a, a small profit and then to be, be able to be investing in, in up in the game or, or, or just, uh, or improving the quality or doing something yeah. different for the next publication. That's yeah. Yeah. And um, entirely that, you know, it's sort of, it's, it, it doesn't really go anywhere other than stay, stay in its little bit of its account yeah. on, my, uh, on my, um on my app to, um, yeah. you know, Use for something else. Be used for something else. If I ever have another project yeah. that I can, I can do this with, and it's, you know, um, so far I think everyone who's received it has liked it and, and really, you know, more than liked it. But you know, it's also I've released it at a probably a really bad time, which is a, during the cost of living yeah. uh, crisis. So I think you know, it it has been a harder sell. I mean, was it autographies, which was probably a more project. A, pro a popular project anyway sold out within like four days and i thought well i could have printed more and luckily had the seconds that i could actually yeah so there was like a 75. this was a hundred print run and you know there's there's enough left i can't, can't remember exactly but there's there's probably about 30 something left but it's been a much harder you know it was it was fairly, fairly if you like fairly quick to about 30 but yeah much slower and you, you know pay, may, yeah, maybe it's a more niche project um but hopefully the actual package is better than warp topography yeah. um but it's also yeah it's it's difficult again it's that real quandary about pricing had a, had a price at 25 chances are nobody nobody would have bought it but 1750 was about the you know right right balance yeah it's, 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 yeah it's always a challenge and i think yeah you i think people could always go one of one of two ways you maybe put it up a higher price point you maybe sell less but you probably still come away with the same amount of money or you, you and it is it's a challenge in terms of where is the correct price point and i think some things as you say it's it's maybe that it's the slow drip over the period of time that you'll just get mm. You, you just get I suppose the sales on going at least you're not left with too many and I think if you'd done a big run of hardback books then you'd have maybe a few more boxes having yeah. to take up space so I think that's always the quandary as well um, but it's always it's always very interesting particularly when people are doing maybe their second or third books how their approach changes or how they find things for for the next one and and so on and so forth so um, yeah, yeah and, and I mean, if you've got, you know, I suppose if you've got the mighty machine of like another price place press behind you, I noticed with like Guy's book is was a 300 print run. Yeah. I think it sold out pretty quickly. And I was thinking, well, you know, it's, I love the book. I mean, it's an amazing book, but it's, it's, it's really shows that. Yeah, know, absolutely. Maybe coming from a, from a name, you know, a name, a name yeah. publisher must, must sort of add to the, uh, Absolutely, I, th I think because there'll be people who will follow that publisher who do not necessarily know the photographer, mm. and when they see something come out by that publisher, they will be they will be attracted because of that, because of that reason. Um, yeah, and I think that yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Um, if you yeah, there's so many publishers out there, but they probably have a, a, a fan base themselves. Yeah. If you look if you look at another place press with their field notes series and then you look at cafe royale books and things like that they all go they, quick they all go quickly because there's people who 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 like that who like the actual product um and and the photographer they might not have heard of the photographer but actually when they see some of the work there they know one they know one and one uh, in terms of uh, ian or craig at cafe royale will have 
they know the sort of photographers they're going to select to, to put in, there'll be an appeal for that. So, yeah. Um, the, um, I also had the slight heebie jeebies when, <laughs> when uh, I think I was fairly close to setting everything in motion. And then um, another place, Press, had uh, Amanda Harmon's Sun Lights the Water, I think it is. All right, yeah. And I was thinking, oh my God, that sounds too close to mine. So, yeah. Would have had to get I, I got a copy of the book to see if it was that close unfortunately <laughs> not but it was like two books two books on rubbish rubbish pondy water yeah at the same time might be it might be a stretch so i didn't know that you know had any bearing but yeah again i mean that's you know this is ian ian does an amazing job in there and they're very separate and uh yeah as, you know uh, the guy you know guy's book passage was um yeah, really nice. Was, was an inspiration as well because it, it it landed on my desk at the right time to think. Oh yeah, that's a brilliant format for what I'm trying Martin, to do. Yeah. I knew I was, I knew I was, you know, down a blind alley with um, you love print. Yep. So all, all turned out well. <laughs> Excellent. Well, obviously, I'm always very interested to know what other books. Uh, I know we discussed. Uh, some of your books the last time nearly two years ago and um, so i'm interested to hear your latest uh, selections from your bookshelf so i won't i won't say c works because i think i think <laughs> yeah. I will i'm gonna get one more actually that's fine since i've been talking about it uh, so much we may as well talk about passage yeah uh, not only inspiration in terms of the um the format <laughs> and the size of more pages but but just the imagery um it's such a beautiful minimalist book of iceland and ice and uh, you know the contrast you get in um in iceland of the sort of the, the blackness yeah. of, the, of the volcanic rock and the sand and the, the brightness of the of the um obviously the white of all the snow um and guys guys particular sort of minimalist architectural because i know he works with john paulson who's a minimalist minimalist yeah. architect, uh, architecture firm uh you know it suits this material down to the ground and there's there's like one or two images that have the, the very tiniest bit of coloring and it works so beautifully um you know there are the sort of uh, the very high key images, and there are some low key images as well. But there's one in particular here that I'm looking at, which I'll show you, but nobody else will be able to see. Oh, yeah, lovely. Which is the sort of very high key, yeah. uh, but there's a little bit of blue pool because you get these, I know in Iceland, you get these intense blue pools. Um, and it, it's just a beautiful book, you know. And it, um, and it yeah, it came at exactly the right time, as I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a lovely, as you say, it's a lovely format, size, structure mm. of book as well. Be, be yeah. Really nicely done. Yes, I mean, his has a, you know, a matte paper cover, which I'd have liked to have been able to do as well. But yeah, I, think, I don't think it would have, you know, because his just has a very minim, minimal shape on it, which is kind of like ice, ice flow. Yeah. It's like the title. Um, I don't think it would have quite worked with the the, the type the type yeah. I use and things like that. So, yeah. uh, you know, there was there was an obvious compromise to make there, but it was it was fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I really really like that. It's probably been my favourite book of this year yeah. uh, to receive. Very good. Uh, I think Al Bryden's. Uh, and even the birds were afraid to fry that that's pretty close as well but yeah another uh, nice book passage just just knocks it and then uh completely different but uh um i'm into sort of color as a photographer more than i am black and white although yep where i was out today i was taking some interesting black and whites that may appear one day on my instagram feed um yeah. ernst Hass, new york in color and i haven't actually particularly read this but I've been excited to read it um, since I've seen his imagery so he uh, was you know shooting in New York in 52 62 one of the sort of pioneers of color street photography but also very abstract so you know he was using sort of those amazing film stocks that they had at 
in the 60s. But not dissimilar, I suppose, in some ways to Soul Lighters, some, some yeah. Soul Lighter things where it's street photography, he's using reflections, he's using windows and, and the, the shape, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the see-through and non-see-through bits of, of imagery as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of, whilst it's, some of it's very street, street orientated, there's a lot of um, just abstract abstract street photography in there as well. And, you know, I've often said, you know, whilst I never particularly practice these things, I, I do like to sort of read read books about them and and, uh, uh, and look at what's done. And I think you learn, you learn as well in terms of how, how to handle colour and how to, how to, you know, it's that thing of you don't always see the surface of something, you see what's on the surface and what's behind. Yeah. Even the prismatic pond is very much like that. A lot of it is what's on the surface, but what's underneath, and what's what you're, you're looking up in the sky, even though you're looking down, because you see all the reflections and things like that. So there's layers and layers and layers of of, of information and uh, stuff to process yeah. in, in your mind. And and I think that is something that works really well in a lot of street photography. I've, there's a couple of um, People I follow on Instagram, street photographers again, not my my genre necessarily, but but they're very into that sort of that sort of aesthetic where where you sort of you have to do a double take and really look at the image to to see what see what's going on cool. <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time. Um, and another one which caused a lot of interest on the uh, Biblioscapes um, book, uh, sorry, the uh, yeah the the Slack group. Yep. We, which is Voices of the Eyes, which is probably one of the heavier books I've. Uh, oh yes, yeah. Um, so, so this is a compendium book by somebody called Rene Algesheimer, Algesheimer, yeah. um, who has managed to get you know quite a lot of good, great people: Valda Bailey, Sandra Batoka, um, Alistair Ben, uh, Theo, who was on yours recently, Nigel Denson. So it's a sort of an amalgam and it's asking them about their process and their way of working but showing their work as well asking the sort of like standard questions and things like that yeah it's got you know uh it's got paul kenny in it's got bruce percy you know so it covers covers a lot of people i know and a lot of people i haven't heard uh as well and and it's, it's kind of done in a very sort of structured way in that they ask general questions uh, they show the work and then they ask more detailed, detailed questions. So there's, there's a lot of text to, uh, it's probably more text than there is photography, but yep. yeah, right. you get text, a taste of each photography. Um, and it's a, it's a beast. I mean, it's like uh, 520 pages. <laughs> yeah, it, it, looks, it looks a big, thick book. Mm. Um, and and again, I've, I've sort of only managed to have a short time with it, but it, it looks really interesting so far and just you know it's nice to hear in a way a bit like the podcast it's nice to hear people talking about the work um but then you see the images in context which you know yeah you see with the podcast you can only do if it's like a video one but nobody wants to see my face um <laughs> there's one i'm waiting for actually which is um ragnar Ak axelson oh yeah now he He's done more recently. Done voice. Was it voices? No, not voice of the eyes. That's the book I'm looking at. Um, faces of faces the of the north, or no, north. the Arctic Arctic heroes yeah. was one. But he's done. Yeah, he's, he's got quite a few books. Out. Arctic heroes was the one on the the dogs, which is really very nice. But he um, he also did one which is Glacier. Yes. Um, yep. And that seems to be really sold out or very expensive. Um, but um, it's on his site in Icelandic as Yoko. So I bought the Icelandic version because I thought, well, All right. I, can always <laughs> I can always translate if I need to. Yeah. Um, uh, and and it is available. So it, and it's not it's not double the price, which is what the uh, the English version is. So all right, thought, yeah. With my extensive knowledge of Icelandic, all three words, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, there are you know translation tools. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And then my final book is um now this was more of an inspiration perhaps for walk topographies but 
it is still a book that I flicked through a lot and is inspiring in its Black Maps by David Maisel, Maisel probably. Uh, so American Landscape and the Apoc Apocalyptic Sublime. So another quite large book. Yeah. So he's probably in the mold of uh, Edward Baczynski. Yeah. He's an aerial photographer looking at sort of the salt pans and the, the, the destruction of the American landscape by heavy cast mining and things like that. So you get these uh, sort of amazing, yeah, not only salt the, 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 yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah. So there's there's a few photographers who do this as um, Emmett Gowan, um, there's another guy who's Norwegian, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I've got a, a video, but you know, there's just, there is something amazing about aerial photography. And I do think it, it, it kind of gives that different perspective on, you know, things we're, we're not as used to, even though, you know, drones are becoming more popular. Um, just seeing the land from above, um, you know, especially when you see like Iceland again, like Hans Strand has had yeah. Iceland from above and things like that. And you just see the amazing patterns and textures and they look otherworldly. And uh, yeah, and that really, there was, I felt there was a connection, even if it was loose between some of these and some of the warp topographies in the, whilst the warp topographies were kind of manipulated or by hand or by, you know, by water or by fire or liquid, other liquids and things like that, they, they almost, I, I said, at the time they look a bit like sort of aerial aerial photographs from around the world and um or from other worlds even because <laughs> some of them look particularly weird but yeah but this book is is beautiful large format um again quite a big heavy book but you know it's one of those I, I come back to a lot and it's i feel you know it's 240 pages yeah good size and i feel you can you know, with with perhaps more abstract books, I feel you can because you see different things that them depending on your mood and depending on how you're. Yep. Whereas perhaps something a little straighter, you sort of you respond to the picture as it is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and and partly I've got all these out partly in preparation, but also because I've been reorganising my office because I'm going back to work tomorrow, uh, and. Uh, so I've now got my bookshelves downstairs. I had them upstairs in our bedroom and it's, we realise it's getting a bit damp. So I want to obviously get the books. Make sure they're okay. Yeah, and so they're now nicely ensconced in the Ikea Kallax shelving and- uh, Very popular bookshelf and very popular yeah, bookshelf. Perfect thing and, and you know, try to organise them by, partly by author, you know, so there's a, there's a, there's the Al Bryden shrine, there's the yeah. Hawkins shrine, there's a Dan Wood shrine, there's, William Eggleston shrine. So yeah. a few, a few, a few shrines in there anyway. Yeah, there's some um, Susan Derges as well, and there's, there's even a, a chunky, a chunky Joe Cornish section, yeah, um, oh which for some reason I, I'm not sure where First Light's gone, but it's somewhere there. <laughs> it's somewhere around. I've got it. I've, I know I've got it. Yeah, it's, somewhere to be found. Yeah. Well. Another another wonderful selection there, Richard. It's always it's always very interesting. There are so many books that come out these days, so it's always interesting to see what everyone else picks up um, and adds to their own collection. And yeah, it's great. It's like the David Maisel stuff. Yeah, I think it's some of his stuff is really quite nice. Mm. There's one or two that I've quite I've looked at in the past, but I think I've maybe struggled to find them. So um, and Ragnarsson as well. I really do like his books, but yeah, as you say, when they go out of print, they can be quite expensive. Definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, great and great to catch up with you as well, and also to hear about the prismatic prismatic pond. So I look forward to catching up in another two years' time to see yes. what, to, see, to see what your next publication is. So no pressure there. Yeah. Uh, so 113, so well, it will be 226. Yeah, two two <laughs> six or something like that will go for. Yeah, no, no, no pressure on me. No, no pressure. That's it. So, uh, but no. Yeah, <laughs> a, a pleasure catching up with you as always, David, uh, Richard, even, don't know why I said David, David Meisel's now in my yeah. head. Um, and uh, yeah, so thank you very much for your time and uh, yeah, cheers. I should, I should, before we go, also say 
you can get the book at <laughs> yes that's it yeah it's available <laughs> yes there we go so yeah an, another great addition to anyone's anyone's bookshelf unfortunately warp topographies is out of out of stock including all seconds so we're we're, we're just waiting on the, the final part of the trilogy there are some thirds or fourths are there some thirds or, thirds or fourths <laughs> i thought it would be a bit cheeky to try and sell them <laughs> yeah but no one yet. Obviously, warp top warp topographies the the final part in the trilogy that will be uh, next. Maybe that's the big hardback number that you're going to do. Gosh, yeah, that would. Uh, yeah, I'd have to. Ma- I'd have to start making some more. I think I. I haven't really made any. And it's. I've reached thousand odd. Yeah. Which which probably is enough, but I think I think. Um, yeah, it's one of those projects. It's a bit like the pond project. It, it is over because the pond is no longer doing what it did yeah but i still i still see the the sort of the effects yeah and the, and the patterns and all the rest in other bodies of water but you know, it's not the same it's not the same <laughs> it's not my little grotty pun yeah <laughs> well on that note richard i'll uh, i'll let you go and enjoy the rest of your sunday evening and, and thank you very much no great to talk to you as ever cheers thank